You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Only pay for what you need when you download the Transit app in Ride Coda. Plan, track, and pay for rides right from your smartphone. Unlike daily and monthly paper passes, fares never expire because unused funds roll over to the next month. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Digitize your dollars and save when you download the Transit app. Learn more at coda.com forward slash transit app. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansite. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and there are two teams in the World Series. Neither of them are the Yankees, and one is the Tampa Bay Rays for some reason. Tampa Bay is now the epicenter of the sports world, and we're over here just managing contracts and moving them around and trying to figure out a way to keep DJ LeMahieu. Um, everybody, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you do listen to your podcast. Make sure to drop us a five-star review. We're going to be doing mailbags far more often now that the regular season and postseason, as far as we're concerned, is over so we're definitely going to need to hear from all of y'all and we can't wait to start incorporating your questions into the weekly pod uh thomas we do have a, a spate of good news though this week the houston astros uh are dead yeah what what are we gonna say now i guess um we're gonna say a lot carlos um you're out and that's just the way it is that's the way we honestly this is kind of what i said last week this is the best outcome i think um you get the Astros thinking that they're going to come back down 3-0 and shock the world. They get to seven, and then they just get owned by their the, the their former pitcher that helped them win game seven of the uh, 2017 World Series in Charlie Morton. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the Rays in the World Series. Like we've said, as much as we hate them, they kind of deserve it. Uh, they play fearlessly. Uh, Randy Rosarena, I guess, is no fluke. He's doing this. He's done this to everybody now uh, throughout the playoffs. So I guess the the final test will be the Dodgers. I don't think I'll have a problem with that bullpen or that pitching staff for the most part. Um, and it's just, you know, it's what it, this was one of the storylines we wanted to see anyway. Rays Dodgers. I did not want to see uh, Braves Rays. So kind of glad the Dodgers won, even though the Braves are easily a much cooler team. Um, and as long as the Astros aren't there, that's great. 
would have been cool to see them lose to the Dodgers if that was possible, but then we would have had to endure, what, another 10 days of the Astros telling us that, you know, everybody doubted them and that they've been being treated unfairly. So um, that's what we have to say about that, Carlos. Uh, so your victories over the Twins and the Athletics uh, really don't hold that much weight because those are two of the most inferior modern-day postseason teams. And I think that speaks for itself. Well, Astros people still don't get it. Like, they, they don't get it. There was an Astros dude on Twitter chirping me and was like, when, when are the Yankee fans going to get over this? And it's like, first off, probably never. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. That's kind of how rivalries work. I think we're going to hate you for a long time. And then second, like, when are we going to get over it? Yeah, I don't know. You just lost in the playoffs and, and you're a hated team. So you're going to have to deal with people saying that they hate you now and people being excited that you lost in the playoffs. Like, I understand after, you know, 30, 40 years of pretty much being irrelevant. Like, I don't think Cardinals fans chirp this much when, you know, the Cardinals and Astros used to face off in the NLCS. But, like, this is a new world. You did stuff. You did illegal stuff. People despise you all around the country. And, like, welcome to Yankee life. When you lose in the playoffs, no matter how hard you think you fought, you did not win the World Series. And people are going to spend a lot of time hating you. That's yep. kind of how it goes. So you have to endure after what you did. 48 hours of people on Twitter saying, ha-ha, the Astros lost, and your comeback being like, we battled through adversity, and the other people's comeback being, ha-ha, the Astros lost. Like, it's mindless. It's brainless. I'm, I'm sorry. It's annoying. It's what Yankee fans have to go through uh, with these Boston people that, you know, pop up out of the woodwork just to say that you took an L even after they went, you know, 66 and 102. Like, it, you know, th this is the world. People do not like the Astros. And the guy was like, just admit that you hate the Astros. And I was like, yeah, no, I do. I hate them. I definitely hate them. Uh, that's like, it's not hard to admit uh, because we all do. Like, it, it, it was really fun that they lost. Uh, I don't think any of us saw that coming. The momentum was fully tilted in the other direction. The, the you know, you say Randy Rosarena and the Rays prove they're not a fluke. And I guess ultimately that's true. But in games four through six, that offense was terrible. Um, and it really did kind of look like just if Randy Rosarena isn't going to do it all, then they're not going to do anything. And even in the games where Randy Rosarena did homer, the players around him did nothing. It was like they, they yeah. lost that clutch gene overnight. Like, I mean, against the Yankees, all they did was... Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. You know, battle and two strike counts. You know, you never knew. And at, and at bat was never over. The batter was always dictating the end of the at bat. You had guys like Yandy Diaz and, and Wendell kind of being impossible to get out. And then in the game's four, five, six backslide, you know, dudes like Wendell are swinging over sliders. Like 20 year olds are coming out of the bullpen and just making Yandy Diaz, you know, his brain break. Framber Valdez, he, Diaz walked against Framber Valdez in, in game six. And yeah, like what was started, that? Yeah, it started yelling at him and he threw his bat. And he was like, yeah, that's how you walk me or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, a, it's like the Rays were the composed team against the Yankees. And suddenly they start facing adversity against the Astros. And they're like busting apart at the seams. They're trying to start a fight on every play. And like credit to the Astros. I mean, they, they punked him several times in a row. They did what we did. Like, Yandy Diaz stunting at Framber Valdez was like Chapman throwing up Brasso's head. It was like pointless, strange, 
the team that's losing suddenly trying to fake their way into becoming the aggressor. And then Brasso calmly, you know, dingers several times off mm-hmm. Chapman. And then Valdez gets out of the inning, like, and the Astros score more runs. And they're just like, I'm sorry, I couldn't, couldn't hear you. We're, we're just over here scoring more runs. Um, and, and so, you know, congrats to them. They really did suck it up for a couple days. But the Astros hit their ceiling for, like, exactly three days this year, and you have to do it for more than that. And they lost game seven uh, of the ALCS, and it was very funny. And, and I think it's okay to find that very funny. Uh, and I do. I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah, People sure. also saying, like, you're just mad about the Astros because you're really mad about the Yankees. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yankees, Yankees sucked. I wanted them in the World Series this year, as I do every year. They're my favorite team. I root for them to be in the World Series and win it. But uh, it was a bad season. Yankees did not live up to expectations in preseason or postseason, and they're gone now. But guess what? So are you. That's fun for me. That's what I have left. Yeah, I think even with the Rays kind of uh, offense farting for those three games, like the defense is just so good. So good. And that's like, we got to give them so much credit for that. Like even that, that's where the, that's where the imbalance on so many other teams is evident. Like your offense is either humming or your defense is not, you know, playing top notch. Like when the, the Rays always have one, one thing to pick them up, whether it's the pitching, whether it's the offense getting timely hits, whether it's the defense making web gems constantly. Um, and Kevin Cash got through this with, with Nick Anderson, not being Nick Anderson's been bad. That's their closer. And he has been brought in on multiple occasions to kind of keep the game at bay. And he's failed. He failed against the Yankees twice. um, And he was not good against the Astros either. And they still found a way to get around it, even though it took seven games. So um, I got to give him credit. Um, I know the offense probably is not as uh, powerful and consistent um, as they will need to be against the Dodgers, who literally don't have a free out from batters one through nine. Um, and we just saw them come back from a 3-1 deficit uh, against a much better Braves. The Braves are much better than the Astros. I don't care what anybody says. He's not even uh, close. Braves are one of the – Braves are – if not for the Dodgers, the Braves are – if not for the Dodgers and the Yankees, the Braves are probably the next closest complete team, in my opinion. Um, so I think that even though they had – they look, they had young pitchers that were put into tough spots, but Freed and Ian Anderson still got the job done in those tight spots. Like, Ian Anderson only got taken out of the game – last night because his pitch count was high so it's going to be uh it's going to be tough for the Rays to replicate that against the Dodgers but they are they are the poor man's Dodgers so it's going to be a fun storyline to follow um and Astros are home that that's really that's really all we could say about that and look the Yankees went to seven games in the ALCS against them and the Yankees got endless shit for losing that game after being up three, two and losing two straight in Houston. And then they got endless shit last year for losing against the Verlander Cole and Grinky rotation when, you know, they were one game away from game seven, if not for, you know, Altuve knowing what pitch was coming and hitting it off Chapman, because I'm going to convince myself that that, that is the case. And that's exactly what happened. So the Astros, who had every break in the book in terms of avoiding this hate tour uh, with no fans in the stands, um, with no traveling uh, for most of the playoffs, um, and with playing three, two very bad playoff teams and one, you know, fairly inex- – the, the Rays don't have a decorated history in the postseason, even though, you know, in recent memory they've uh, – they got to the World Series in, what, 08? They haven't gotten past the DS – until then until this year yep. um so yeah it's not like you know it's not like you went through the gauntlet you had an under 500 record you weren't very good um 
and you're trying to talk all this trash, but now you're going home and you got off, you got off the hook this year. And uh, now your biggest enemy is a COVID-19 vaccine because the sooner we get that, the sooner we get fans in the stands and the sooner you're screwed for 2021 guys. So uh, watch out for that. You'll be rooting against science for the next six months, I guess. Uh, definitely a new thing for the people of uh, Houston and Texas overall to be rooting against scientific fact. Uh, sure, they're, <laughs> sure, they're not used to that at all. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a it's a whole state of COVID deniers that now have like another reason to hate coronavirus. And uh, sorry, guys, um, if if we do get that vaccine, we're we're coming for you. It, the funniest part of the run is that it was Charlie Morton against McCullers in Game Seven. Uh, McCullers and Morton teamed up to be us in game seven. McCullers is the one they kept. McCullers is the brash, trash-talking, you know, ridiculous jerk who, who like, is the most, you know, un- probably the most annoying current Astro other than Correa. Um, I know that's kind of a crazy statement to make, but Altuve, like, is and we hate Jose Altuve, but he's generally quiet and sad and reserved, and it's Correa speaking for Altuve. Other than Altuve guaranteeing they'd be in the World Series, they're not. <laughs> fart noise. Extended fart noise for you. Um, but Or, you know, walking around showing off his tattoo. Hey, I guess Altuve is pretty high on the list. But McCullers is very high up there. Um, and Morton's a guy, you know, the composed Game 7 king. He's got like an 0-6-2 ERA in elimination games. He's, he's still unbelievable. He's the one they decided to let go. And, and guess what? You know, a little taste of your own medicine. We thought it would be pretty easy to beat Charlie Morton in Game 7, too. We were wrong. You probably thought you had the antidote. You didn't. Nobody does. Um, and so I guess we should probably talk for, for a second, at least, about you know, something that we wrote about this weekend. That is, you know, the, you know, a lot of people make a big deal of the people the Yankees have passed on over the years uh, in the huge contracts like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and, and uh, John Lester. And they're not wrong. But honestly, you, know, you posit that they win or go to a World Series at least if they sign Michael Brantley and Charlie Morton over the last couple of years, especially instead of uh, Jay Happ in that 2018-19 offseason when they had a chance at Morton for a, a lower dollar value, uh, I think you're completely correct. But I would like to just – I feel like you deserve a chance to, to talk about this a little bit because I, I, it's, it's not the giant moves. And DJ LeMahieu wasn't a giant move when no. he came to New York either. Like that was a two-year, $24 million contract, and that's why we're doing what we're doing now struggling to fit DJ LeMahieu on a larger contract under the payroll. It's these small advances at the margins. And honestly, Brantley and Morton on the roster instead of Hap to like erase Hap in this narrative, that probably does get the Yankees World Series. I I don't see a scenario where it doesn't. Um, We touched on this Friday. Look, Brantley signed two years, 32 million with Houston. Morton signed two years, 30 million with Tampa. Not only were these guys proven – very proven. Brantley was Brantley was very much, you know, the engine that helped the Indians go. He was batting in the two hole. He was constantly getting on base. Um, he's a solid fielder, solid corner outfielder, lefty, sweet swinging lefty bat, like at sixty million dollars a year for what he was doing. That's that's peanuts for the Yankees. And Morton at fifteen million dollars a year for what he's accomplished, you know. First of all, he's he's been around for a while and he's been fairly consistent for a while. And it wasn't until 2017 where his postseason abilities really um, reached the big stage. And the Yankees saw that firsthand on multiple occasions. And I just don't understand why you're not thinking, okay, great. That's the guy we need to, you know, avoid what we just went through. And then it's another veteran in the rotation. It deepens the rotation, even though he's not, you know, he's not an ace, but he has 
he has the consistent movement on his pitches. He throws hard. He has, like, like I said, the veteran-type moxie that he's, he's fearless in a sense, especially going up against bigger lineups. And these just seem to me like very, very cheap deals that for some reason were passed on. We gave Jay Happ, you know, if his, if his option happened to end up vesting, that's a three-year, $48 million deal. That's a lot of money for a guy who, you know, came over and had 11 good starts and then, you know, didn't really pan out the next season. Um, and then I'm not going to poo-poo on the Ottavino deal, but I think that was a little bit, that was a little bit of a pricey deal, three years, 27 million. And now you can't even use them anymore in high leverage spots is what we've seen over the last, you know, from the end of last year until, you know, the middle of this year, I guess you can call it the middle of this year, whatever the 60 games was. Um, but yeah. And then you trade for James Paxson, which is great. You know, we, we dealt from a surplus in the farm system, but I don't know. It, you know, Paxton was $13 million the last two years. Uh, I think $10 million. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. This is Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Shh. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms. Last year and then his salary this year would have been $13 million. Like, that's $23 million. Like, spend $7 more million for Charlie Morton and keep the prospects or trade the prospects for something else. I don't know. Um, in hindsight, it looks like, you know, you could make a few changes and – alter the entire narrative, but we can't. Um, I just think, I just, I just think not signing one of those guys was a big mistake signing both of them. You know, we're not going to get that. That's kind of an unlikely scenario, but signing two guys who are in the American league actively beating you in some capacity, because you see these teams fairly often and actively beating you in the playoffs and seeing them in the playoffs. Cause they saw Brantley in the playoffs a bunch and just not, not, I, I don't get it, but I mean, to talk about payroll now, I think uh, people don't realize that we're in a tough spot. Uh, I'll touch on this and then let you go ahead. But Bill Madden, New York Daily News, talked to a bunch of executives. Um, and, you know, as we said, the organizations across the league are crying about money, saying the Yankees may have lost upwards of $200 million with no fans in the stands. Um, look, we've seen what owners have done the last few years in free agency. How many guys did we see not sign until after spring training? that are that were good players how many guys did we see not sign until who didn't sign until like june last year which was insane dallas Keuchel, kimbrell yeah. yeah keichel kimbrell like not game-breaking players but like guys who still have roles on teams in 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 a contributing capacity the closer are from the world series champion people yeah. are like i don't want this guy yeah i don't I, I don't yeah. have enough money for this guy so if they're do Bryce Harper didn't sign until late in the offseason, Manny Machado didn't sign until late in that offseason. Granted, those were different stories because they were 300 million plus dollar deals. But I mean, that's what you have to pay for young talent now. So uh, waiting isn't going to change anything unless, you know, he suffers an offseason injury and you think he can get, you know, get a discount on it. But that's a psycho way to think. Um and if and we saw all the crap with the qualifying offers too, you know, teams just offering qualifying offers and other teams not biting because they don't want to pay seventeen, eighteen million dollars for one year of a player. Um, and 
if they're using, if they, if they didn't have any excuses to do this in the past, there was no money issues. There was no, the TV deals were still riding high. Uh, payrolls weren't, you know, the price of the qualifying offer hasn't exactly, hasn't exactly like gone up in a prohibitive fashion. Players are just declining it because they want multi-year deals. Um, but then teams don't want to sign that guy because then it's going to cost them draft pick compensation. So that's where you run into another issue, but nonetheless, there were no financial constraints in any of these last three, four off seasons where we saw the owners dictate the flow of the market and the pricing of these players. And now we had, they have a legitimate excuse based on if these are the actual losses, the Yankees believed to have lost upwards of 200 million with no fans in the stands. The uncertainty surrounding 2021 is going to exist until there's a vaccine. And then even after there's a vaccine, we don't know how many people can get vaccinated. So they don't know how many fans are going to be able to attend games. And if they can't sell out stadiums and they're not going to maximize profit and they're going to use that as an excuse to great, you know, we're not signing theoretically DJ LeMay to a $85 million contract because we can't add to the payroll. Or if we do that, we're not signing another pitcher. So looking at this, the Yankees have about 175 million committed to the payroll next year. If you include the arbitration payments um, and the buyouts on some of these contracts. Um, and then, you know, if you want DJ and Tanaka back, that's probably going to cost you between 30 and the 28 and 31 million dollars for the 2021 season theoretically if you give DJ uh, between 18 and 20 million a year and you give Tanaka between 10 and 12 million a year and then you have less than five million dollars to work with before you hit the luxury tax threshold at 210 million dollars. So what else is going to happen and then that creates another problem because if teams are not going to want to spend or even inherit money via trade, how theoretically are you going to trade a role to Chapman? He's got two years and $32 million left. And how are you going to trade Ottavino who has one year and $9 million left and is uh, not really reliable anymore. And you look at any other con Santon can't get traded. That contract's impossible to move. Um, would a team take a flyer on Gary Sanchez? Maybe at 6 million, but like the Yankees aren't going to want to sell super low on him. So then it's, you're inheriting that salary and you maybe have to part with a, a decent prospect. So I don't know. I think this is a big problem and people are not taking into account how serious, I guess, fans not being in the stands for at least the start of 2021 is going to be, or they're not taking into account how, you know, how the owners are going to use this as a legitimate excuse to not spend any money. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, fans in the stands at the beginning and the middle and the end, what are we eyeballing? Like Hal Steinbrenner made it clear. Like he, he actually doesn't, I think he really doesn't know. Um, but I do think when he says he doesn't know, he he's, you know, hinting at something deeper because like I said, and I've sort of pointed out in the past and want to point out again, the schedule is weird. Uh, they dropped the schedule sort of at the very beginning of the season or, or maybe even a little bit before the season started. Uh, the Yankees don't play the Red Sox until June. I think that's pretty telling. Um, they, you know, they crammed 18 yeah. and 19 rivalry matchups in the last four months of the season. And I don't think that's an accident. That's never happened before. I don't think, you know, it's just because they want to avoid the April games. I think they think the April and May games might have drastically reduced capacity, uh, if any. I think there will be attendance from day one, although, you know, the next couple months are going to dictate a lot of this. Uh, but I do think they're, they're very much anticipating another reduced attendance chunk at the first couple months of the season, hence this weirdness, um, trying to maximize the attendance at these big rivalry games. Um, and I think a lot of the, you know, the fact that they managed to pull off a 2020 season in any capacity and they, you know, got through the 60 game season with some severe hitches, but ultimately it did finish. They got to the playoff bubble. 
we're all enjoying, you know, we just had two incredible championship series that each went seven games, big comebacks, a lot of postseason drama. The Yankees went to a deciding game, you know, in the final round in which they were eliminated. Uh, it's been a pretty great month and a half for baseball and the mood is high. I think a lot of that is distracting from the fact that before the season began and when they were negotiating for the start of the season and all the financial terms, everybody sort of accepted there'd be a work stoppage after 2021. Like, the animosity was considered so high between the players and the ownership and rightfully so because, you know, they kept offering each other percentages of percentages of what was being asked for. And they were nowhere close to settling on a, you know, a revenue deal of any kind. Um, I think we had sort of accepted a work stoppage and now have maybe forgotten in the last month and a half because of how fun the baseball was and how high the energy is and how surprising it is that we're, you know, even able to watch this. I think we shouldn't forget about what we sort of considered to be an inevitability. Nothing about, you know, this era of good feelings indicates there won't be some sort of huge financial fight again after next season. And like you said, you know, ownership was using non-excuses as an excuse to cut back on spending repeatedly and push Craig Kimbrell's free agency into June and, you know, make Bryce Harper wait until the spring training was already underway to sign his mega contract. This is a huge issue in the years prior in which there were almost no mitigating factors, you know, huge attendance, big TV deals, everything going off without a hitch. And now you've got a legitimate pandemic and whether you want to, you want to believe that these teams can't function because of the losses they've sustained, you know, that's your prerogative if you want to believe that, but that is what they're telling you. And it's definitely a more legitimate excuse to not spend than absolutely nothing. So, you know, we're in a crazy space now, and, and the fact that we are in this area of diminished payrolls uh, makes you think this isn't bluster. So, like you said, I don't really know how they afford LeMahieu and Tanaka and anything else. Like, it kind of does feel like LeMahieu and Tanaka and, like, a bench bat for free, or LeMahieu and not Tanaka and a new addition, or not LeMahieu and two pitchers. Yeah, I, that's – that's the, I, unless they want to go over the luxury text threshold because I think there's some – if they negotiate a new CBA after next year, like it could reset so they won't get as screwed as you'd think because I don't think they have much money coming off the books in the next couple of years, so the payroll's still going to remain high. So I guess that's the only silver lining. But then again, if you're going to add in an offseason and the Yankees theoretically are the team most affected by no fans in the stands because of their – great attendance and the money, the amount of money they make when this team does make the postseason, which they normally do. Um, I don't, I don't see it. And then you have rising arbitration costs for the next few years. You got to consider Aaron judge. You got to consider Glaber Torres, things we've already touched upon things we've talked about, talked about at length on this podcast. So I really, I re I'm really not sure. I think, you know, your takes on the, uh, the free agent lefty bats or the bargain free agents. I think that's going to be the way that Cashman maybe goes. Um, I don't know what he can do on the trade market if teams aren't going to want to inherit more salary. Uh, so I think we have to look at a reality where Aroldis Chapman's still the closer. Um, I guess one other option, and it's not a good option, is to decline Zach Britton's 2022 uh, contract option. And then he'd theoretically probably opt out and that'll save the Yankees $13 million this year and $27 million overall. That's one of the only outs that they have. Declining Brett Gardner's option saves them $7.5 million. Um, Jay Happ is obviously – his option's not going to vest, so that's saving them some money. But if they really want to maximize that, I mean, I think those are the only two ways that you could do it. I don't know if fans want to see Brett Gardner go. 
I'd like to have Brett Gardner as a, as another outfielder on this team, but $10 million team options, a lot of money, uh, especially for a guy who's going to be platooning when you, when you really think about it. But I think that's the reality that Yankee fans have to deal with. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of action this off season in terms of signings, in terms of trades, because anyone who the Yankees want to sign probably has to be somebody big aside from, you know, the few guys that you mentioned that could be crucial for us, like Listella or, you know, maybe we get Brantley on the cheap. I don't know if that's possible. Um, or uh, maybe Didi comes back. He'll be at a discounted rate, but then you're shifting around the infield. So I don't know. I really don't know. And then trades, trades are always tough. Cashman always does his best work on the trade market, but if teams are being hesitant and, you know, the Yankees are stuck with these contracts. That's just, just don't be surprised if you're looking at the same roster in 2021 is all I'm going to say with the exception of another additional middle infielders to kind of lessen the burden on uh, what's going on with Glaber Torres defensively. And yeah, that's... there, there will be a different starting pitcher in there, I think. And maybe I'm just talking about Tanaka coming back. I, and like, I don't know how big budget the addition is going to be there. Who do you think it would of... be? I have no idea. I mean, Mike Miner, like you can see that. Because if you look at this rotation there, if they re-sign Tanaka, they'll just go Cole, Tanaka, um, Montgomery, Davey, and then maybe use Clark Schmidt as the fifth until Luis Severino comes back. And that'll be their excuse to save money. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, it's very, and you want to add another excuse to save money. Domingo Herman exists. Yeah. That's like, I forgot about I think him. I'm, when I'm talking about pitchers, I'm just saying like either Tanaka comes back or he doesn't. And there's like another cheaper name hanging out in the rotation for a little while while Severino comes back, like yeah. a Mike Minor type guy. Um, and I mean, there are cheapy bullpen additions who I like, like there are cheapies out there, but there are no game changers. I, I argue for Joaquin Soria, and I argue for, you know, Aaron Loop, the Rays lefty is available. I mean, that's like a $3 million deal probably. Like, you can do that. There yeah. are ways to get better. But, yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't know why they would do something like trade for Francisco Lindor now knowing they have to probably pay him immediately because you're not going to play. Like, it's their policy not to negotiate with these upcoming free agents. But you can't play a year with Francisco Lindor as your starting shortstop with the same uncertainty of the DJ LeMahieu extension. Like, so you, you need to take care of that immediately. And so I just don't know why they would when they could just sign him next offseason when things have changed a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a little movement, but but not much. And hopefully that movement doesn't, you know, uh, if there's anyone in the league that has money, it's probably the Yankees. But if they, you know, if they behave like everybody else, uh, it's not looking good. It, it just is not looking fun for a drastic transformation. Um, before we sign off, I do feel like it merits, uh, let's, let's bring the attack dog persona back a little bit, um, and go after the Red Sox, like the good old days. I mean, it, it feels like it's been a while since they've been relevant. Um, it, it feels like the Red Sox have been cursed by karma ever since some fan at their, uh, 2018 World Series parade chucked a full beer can at the World Series trophy and bent the flags. Um, Major League Baseball has not put the little flags in the World Series logo that signify a Red Sox World Series run. Uh, if you want to ask me about the little flag conspiracy for a mailbag question, happy to talk about it. Um, but it seems like things have been going relatively poorly since then. Alex Cora uh, could not figure out how to manage in his second season. Video replay coordinator got the boot after uh, being the leader of the cheating scandal, which we all certainly believe. Um, Mookie Betts had to get traded for absolutely no reason. You want to talk about budget-conscious idiocy. Uh, Cora was revealed as the ringleader in the Astro scandal and then summarily fired. Uh, rumors have abounded since he was fired, though, that he would be brought back for 2021. Um, 
I was, I've gone through cycles of being angry about this, fine with this. Um, Coors last year as the manager was horrible. Um, you know, one of the, probably the funniest Red Sox roster we've seen outside of Bobby Valentine in a, in a full 162 game season, they blew so many games, uh, bad managing, poor, you know, poor coaching, poor ethos, bad stuff all around. Um, so it kind of felt like keeping Cora around was the bad karma, right? That like he was sort of leaking because you were, you were letting a cheater run the program. Um, so Cora in, in 2017 on his birthday, October 18th, Rumor has it he got hired by the Red Sox that day, uh, but they couldn't announce it until the World Series was over. So he tweeted the word blessed with a bunch of exclamation points. Uh, Sunday was his birthday again. He replied to that tweet with times two prayer. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Uh, Then he tweeted, what a day. And then he tweeted eyeballs emoji. So uh, it doesn't take a detective to say Alex Cora got a job yesterday in some capacity, probably. Uh, and Jason Varitek's wife tweeted happy birthday to Alex Cora, time for another party. Um, it it kind of sort of seems like even though the Red Sox keep claiming they're not going to do it, uh, that they did it yesterday. And I've gone through the cycles of anger because I think I assumed they were going to figure out a way to bitch out of this and rehire him as soon as they fired him basically. And as soon as MLB, I mean, there were rumors he was going to be banned for like three years. Uh, and as soon as MLB banned him for a year, like everyone else, it was like, oh, okay, they're, they're doing it to him too. He'll, he'll be back. We'll see him again. Um, and so it does, you know, I guess let's get our, let's get this out until we know, we'll know the news in a couple of weeks. Uh, he's somewhere. He, he got some kind of news. He, he is working again in sports. You got to think. Um, kind of feels like the Red Sox did it. And I got to say, I'm kind of split because his last year there was awful feels like another reminder of the scandal that they're willingly bringing back. And a lot of people are going to look at him as a savior for a team that doesn't expect to win next year. And, and can he pull off more trash? I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, it's Boston, but is Boston the same Boston from 2018? And with Tom Brady in Tampa? I don't know. Might be a different city now. Uh, bring him back. Uh, if, he can, if he can turn this ship around without the, the franchise player and Mookie Betts, who – did a lot of the carrying for that team. And he doesn't have, and he doesn't have the godsend in Steve Pierce this time to bail him out of every goddamn postseason game. Um, so bring him back, see what he could do. I, I, I don't, I don't, it, the Red Sox were putrid this year and they thought they had up and coming town. I know they were without Chris Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez, but Eduardo Rodriguez really is not, you know, a game breaker. He's a good back end of the rotation guy. Um, and they might be best. without Chris Sale forever. Like Chris Sale in yeah. 2019 sucked. So mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I'm actually not worried about Chris Sale. Uh, well, I'll learn my lesson because Boston does it to me every three years. But <laughs> as of now, you know, bring on Chris Sale. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not worried unless this team does a lot of shit in free agency. And like we said, if this team was looking to cut as many costs this offseason and they went to great lengths to get rid of their number two starter and their best homegrown player since Ted Williams – I don't see them making any additions this offseason, even though in the back of my mind, like I said last pod, I am scared about them potentially adding LeMahieu and Bauer. Um, but based on their track record and John Henry B 
being reluctant to spend in general and re- taking pocketing all this cash from the 2018 World Series victory, you know, Cora will be working overtime to get that video room going for his boy JD Martinez and any other sign stealing, you know, tactics he might have. And it's going to be even harder because he doesn't have as many skilled players. Remember Jackie Bradley Jr. I think is gone this off season. Yes, he won't he be, is. yeah, he won't be out in center field bailing you out of, you know, uh, shots that are hitting to the friggin' corner in Fenway park. Um, Alex Verdugo looks pretty good, but whatever. Like if that's your fill in for Mookie Betts and then your offense, Andrew Benintendi is bad, I guess. So there's been a lot of regression on this Red Sox roster in addition to a lot of turnover um and hey if the red sox think he'll turn it around good for them um probably not going to happen especially over the court if the red sox were this bad in a 60 game season imagine how bad they would be in a 162 game season that'd be pretty damn bad bobby valentine style yeah. and they got rid of, they got rid of all their relievers too they're only yeah. they're only solid reliever in brandon workman so good luck i mean oh. they're they're very funny i think the fans are the fans are uh, as always showing their true colors um alex core proven cheater you know bring him right back Mookie Betts, you know, never did anything wrong in his life. Icon, probably going to be the face of Major League Baseball for the next decade. Oh, we were smart to trade him. He cost too much. Jackie Bradley Jr., ah, get rid of him. You know, he had a game-tying home run in the World Series and was the ALCS MVP in 2018. Who cares? Goodbye. Uh, but let's <laughs> sign George Springer. If that makes sense, like, let's, let's give 32-year-old George Springer the 28-year-old Mookie Betts money because he's going to cost a lot of money. I, like, I hope you know that. And I wonder if Red Sox fans know George Springer is, is mixed race. He's not white. I, I don't know if that's what you, you guys are thinking. Like, get rid of Jackie and Mookie and then bring in a white replacement in George Springer for big money. Uh, <laughs> he, he is not Caucasian. So just so you guys know, maybe that'll change your, your perspective on things. Um, but, yeah, the Red Sox are, are probably a Springer and Bauer contract away from being, you know, really, really good uh, or decently good or, or, you know, playoff contending good. And it's just, it's objectively insane that you would pay George Springer four years older than Mookie Betts, uh, approximately the average annual value of what Mookie Betts wanted. And that's a case where you probably just want Mookie Betts' prime instead of George Springer's secondary prime of like age 32 through 36. Uh, So best of luck to my friends in Boston. Uh, Just kidding. Alex Cora, you you fully rehired him yesterday. Like, I hope you realize that. Uh, (laughs) And if if you didn't, like, somebody's got to stop him from tweeting, like, because these are these tweets are for Boston eyes only. Like, Stop these, him from making four tweets in four years. <laughs> you think you have you you have secrets to share, Alex? You tweeted a hundred times I emoji in a day. Like you're not hiding from anybody. Like every people figured out that you had secrets to share. Like you're not being cheeky. Everybody knows you got something to say. So we'll see you after the World Series. I mean, maybe it's the White Sox. Who knows? Maybe it's the Tigers. Uh, maybe it's the Texas Rangers who might fire uh, Chris Woodward. Who knows? Uh, I, I certainly don't. Uh, but best of luck to uh, to that whole menagerie. And I, I feel like a lot of things changed the day the World Series trophy got damaged. I'm going to hold on to that, and, and let's see what Alex Cora's got in a full season. Um, that is it for this episode of the Inksco Yard Podcast, in which we talked a lot about the Astros, Rays, Dodgers, and Red Sox, while also crying about our own team's payroll. Not great. Kind of a down Monday uh, for us. But it's going to be a fun World Series. We are excited. Hope the Dodgers get this one so we can go right back to rooting against them and hoping we get a Yanks-Dodgers World Series and not having to feel a little bit bad that we maybe stole one from uh, the city of Los Angeles. If they're coming in as the champion, then it'll, it'll be fun to dethrone them. That's, that's all I'm saying. That, that's who I got. Um, for next time, I'm Adam Weinerib. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerib and make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and drop us those five-star reviews with a mailbag question attached because we would love to have them on a future episode.
And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. Also, please head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Got a lot of content out there for you. We appreciate the readership. We want some more interaction. We want to know what you guys are thinking. We'll create some content around it. We've been having a great time. Off-season's about to heat up. Maybe it'll be wild. Probably not. But the speculation's going to be there, and we'll be writing about it. So until then, we'll see you on Wednesday, guys. Yep. See ya. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.